It's Wednesday, January 30th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Matt Greer, and joining me in studio, we have Motley Fool analysts Andy Cross and Jason Moser. Gentlemen, welcome. Hey, hey Matt. Hey, hey JMO. How are we feeling? A little, a little icy, a little cold? You know, yeah, that's the weather the, you're talking. The weather, not the market, right? Yeah, not the, the market. Nah, yeah. not yeah. the market. School, yeah. school was canceled today. Yeah. We were not. Let's just be real. The here. weather out there is such that you know you we're have here. to drive a little bit more carefully coming in today. Fed day. We yeah. came in still. Yeah, the mean streets of North Arlington. Two-hour delay. Yep. School is not canceled. Yep. That's how we roll. Fed you guys only had a two-hour delay. We're gritty. We're gritty. Wow, Fairfax yeah. County, which is yeah. a big county. Yeah, Fed Fed meets today, so we'll get some good news from the Fed this week. Okay, well, we're going to be talking about some good news from SiriusXM later. We're going to debate that age-old question, is there life after Howard Stern? But first, let's kick off with Apple. Andy, earnings beating lowered expectations. Apple had warned earlier this month um, that sales were slowing, and sure enough, sales are slowing. (laughs) Um, Shares of Apple up around 5% on earnings. A few fun facts, Andy, so I want you to put these in the blender and then tell me what it all means for investors. Okay, first of all, Tim Cook, the CEO, pointed to China and the trade war as two of the culprits for the slowdown. He also said that Apple users are holding onto their iPhones for longer. Okay, fun fact number one. This is the first quarter where Apple did not report the number of iPhones sold for the quarter, but Apple did disclose there are now 900 million iPhones in the wild worldwide. So, what does all that mean for investors? Well, let's just look at the quarter first, Mac. This was the first quarter during the holiday period in, I think, about a decade that they saw both revenue and operating profits fall. Tim Cook mentioned China. We knew that going in. We knew they also were not going to report the iPhone unit volumes for this quarter, although there are some analyst expectations given what they announced that that unit volume is falling up as much as 20%. Uh, so, China continues to be the headwind there. But when you look at the overall picture, Mac, you said 900 million active iPhone installations, active total devices, 1.4 billion. That's up 8% over the year. So, uh, of of those total units that are active, 64% are about iPhones, and that's about the what they get in revenue. If their total revenue is accounted to from iPhones is about 62%. Uh, paid subscriptions. For their uh, uh, their online business now and their ecosystem is at 360 million. That's up uh, 120 million over a year. So the real story that Tim Cook was trying to say for this is iPhone is the past. The future is really the ecosystem. It's really the service business. It's really the wearables business. And he talked a lot about that. And that's the future growth for for Apple. And they need it because the revenues are stagnant. He the forecast for next quarter is a little bit lower than what analysts were expecting. So the growth engine for Apple, where is it coming from? It's got to be coming from the services business. Which, by the way, they also reported the gross margin for that business is twice as high as it is for the hardware side. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, we are in a different phase uh, of the life cycle for Apple, and we've hit the more or less maturity of the iPhone. I mean, it's it's unreasonable to expect the same growth rates going forward. I mean, logic tells us that as iPhones evolve, they get better. As they get better, the replacement cycle should get longer, right? I don't want to replace my iPhone if I don't have to, and so uh, I'll hang on to it for as long as I can. I, I do feel like we saw all quarter long leading into yesterday it felt to me like all of these analysts out there talking about this the 10r being this flop and underperforming 
and that really struck me as odd. I felt like they were totally missing that, and it turns out that they were. The latest data from the Consumer Intelligence Research Partners shows that the most popular iPhone during the quarter was actually the 10R. It says that the 10R accounted for 39% of total iPhone sales, and the 10S and 10S Max models made up a combined 26% of sales. So that tells us a couple of things. Number one, we are running into a situation here where they're not going to be able to raise prices much anymore at all. Because remember, the 10R is the one that is significantly cheaper. As as a 10R user myself, I think generally speaking, it's a good phone. But the other point is, I think we've hit basically peak smartphone. There's not much else you can do with these phones other than to change perhaps the interface or what you're doing. I mean, the screens are about as big as they're going to get. You know whether it's going to be liquid crystal or, or you know, uh, oh, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, OLED. The, OLED. Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, right. Who well, at some point or the, you can't tell me the camera is much better, but I don't think many people care about that. Give me a phone with a battery that lasts a little bit longer. I think that takes care of a lot of problems. And so as Andy was saying, now Apple needs to make that pivot to being a services company. So they need to change that narrative, and that's why we don't get the same information on the unit sales, but we are getting more information on the profitability of the services yep. business. But investors need to make sure they. They have their expectations in check there as well. It's not like they're just going to flip a switch and say, "Hey, now we're a services company and we're going to make two hundred billion dollars a year with services." Uh, that's going to take some time to grow, but it's worth noting that that services business brought in about forty billion dollars last year, so it's not insignificant. Yeah, it's about thirteen percent of their overall total sales. It's growing, it's growing. As Jason said, it's nineteen percent. That's actually down a little bit, a fraction over the past few quarters. That. The service businesses grew 22% in fiscal year 2018, which ended in September. So, um, you know, when you look at Apple, I see this amazing business. Jason mentioned the the profitability on the on the services business, and we talked about that. I talked about that a little bit earlier. It's a 700 million dollar billion dollar company. They generate nearly 20% returns on capital. Mac last year they generated 60 billion dollars in profit. They bought back 75 billion dollars worth of stock. So when you look at this business, they generate so much so much in profits and it's hard to reinvest that at a fast enough rate to continue to juice the top line for a company that is this big. Now, it's also why you only pay 12 times earnings for this business. So the stock was up a little bit today. That's not a surprise to me considering what Tim Cook had talked about with the weakness in China. By the way, like Companies in China, Huawei is doing quite well in China selling phones. So, a different type of um, market that Huawei is going after than what maybe Apple is going after. So, there is success in China, just not with Apple per se on the iPhone business. So, this business is just this kind of like very profitable. They buy back a lot of stock. It's just not the fastest growing business anymore. They got to find those growth rates. And if you're an investor in Apple, you have to either expect that, hey, this is going to be a pretty slow growing business, very profitable. They're going to invest back into buying back stock. That's going to juice my per share ownership of it. Or they're going to do something that's going to really juice the top line on the services side. Okay. So, Let's go back to that point you made about the money. They've got a sizable piggy bank. Is oh there an God. acquisition that you would like to see <laughs> Apple make? 
Um, well, I think it has to be somewhere on the services business. They bought Beats that has really juiced some of their um, their earbuds and, and uh, music business. So I think that's kind of, but that was a very small acquisition. They have so much cash on the balance sheet. It's more than, it's almost $75 billion of, of cash and short-term securities. And long-term securities gets it all the way up to like $285 billion. So they have so much cash sitting there. They would have to make a really sizable acquisition somewhere, somewhere in the, I think, in the services or the, or the, um, uh, non iPhone space to be able to have a meaningful impact to the top line. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I, I, my my reckless prediction for 2019 was that Apple would acquire Square, and, and I mean, that's only that's only half kidding, really. I could see actually a world where where that would make a lot of sense because they are two companies that are founded on making pretty sleek hardware that that people like. Um, and then making, uh, developing an ecosystem around that hardware that, that is very useful. And, and I think that Apple is, they need to pursue, like Andy said, the services side of the business. And whether that's music, video, whatever, I mean, I think music, the economics pretty much suck no matter what business you are. So that's going to be like a value add. But when you look at the, the longer term opportunities and the big market opportunities, I think payments, we talk about that all the time, that's a tremendous opportunity because. Of the global nature, uh, when you look at Apple Pay, Apple Pay yielded 1.8 billion transactions this past quarter, mm-hmm. which was more than double. That's a lot. Uh, from yeah, more than double <laughs> from the same quarter a year ago. So people definitely are using it. There is something there, and they do get a little scrape from that transaction every single time. Uh, and then, of course, we know that that Tim Cook has said more than once that he feels like Apple be, Apple will be most remembered for uh, their impact yeah. uh, on the healthcare world. Uh, they are coming up, I think, on a little bit of a challenge. You're trying to figure out that next piece of hardware. They've done okay with AirPods, the watch. They're, they're doing okay there. But you look at something like HomePod. You want to talk about fun facts? The HomePod. This is their holiday quarter. HomePod was not mentioned once in the yeah. release or on the call. I mean, it's like it might as well not even exist. And so it turns out that uh, you remember they they made Apple Music available to the Echo devices a couple of months ago. That was really a big tell. Seems like the HomePod really is uh, more or less a flop at this point. Yeah, the the announcement I found interesting this week was their partnership with Aetna. Which is part yep. of the CVS family to um, create an app called Attain that allows you to tie together members of Aetna to tie together with an application to tie together with your smart with your iPhone watch to be able to collect some of that health data. So that's a kind of investment that we will continue to be, to see. But that's when you have more than sixty percent of your revenue is tied to iPhone and and the the hardware of iPhone, you really need to make a big investment to have a meaningful impact on the top line of, of Apple. And I just they haven't shown that interest in doing it over the past decade. Maybe this next couple of years we'll see something different. Well, let's talk some serious XM shares up on earnings, Jason record revenues, and the integration of Pandora. Well, that seems to be going well. A lot of optimism. SiriusXM acquired Pandora last year. Yeah, I mean, I think the conversation for us regarding SiriusXM for a long time is all revolved around Howard Stern and would there actually be life beyond Howard? Because he obviously won't last forever. Um, I, I think we're actually starting to see signs that there may indeed be life after Howard, and, and I think the Pandora acquisition is going to play. A pivotal role in that. I think initially, when we saw they were doing that deal, 
There were some questions as to what really could they get out of Pandora that they don't already have. And I think really what it boils down to is data. Uh, when you combine these two entities, they're essentially going to have an audience of over 100 million listeners. There's going to be about 40 million self-paying subscribers, about 75 million who are not paying for subscriptions, but either listening on an ad-based model or whatever. And you know, we talk a lot about how Starbucks has a lot of different levers they can pull when they want to try to generate more traffic in the store, right? Whether it's a treat receipt or a buy one get one free, whatever it may be, um, I, I think that Sirius is going to play that same uh, that same card here with Pandora. They're going to get a lot of data here to be able to offer up some new products for listeners. And a couple of examples here. I mean, one thing they're going to do in early February, they're actually going to give select Pandora listeners an offer to buy a $5 a month, mostly news and talk, serious subscription. And that matters, because most all of the cars that are coming out now are all satellite radio-enabled. Uh, they just struck a deal with Toyota, where Sirius XM is going to be the provider for all Toyota cars going on the road here through 2028. Uh, they're projecting 200 million Cars on the road by uh, over the next decade that will that will have that satellite uh, radio hardware. So, giving a product that really scratches whatever itch the listener has is going to be critical. And having Pandora is going to give them the data to be able to do that. It also seems like going forward that the secret sauce for SiriusXM increasingly is going to be news. It's going to be talk. It's going to be live sports because music feels like it's just become so commoditized. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. You can get whatever music you want anywhere. There are just a million offerings out there, Spotify, Amazon, Apple, Google, you name it. But where Sirius has really differentiated themselves is the breadth of the content that they offer, whether it's sports, news, talk, comedy. I mean, look at the relationship with Netflix. They're leveraging some of that Netflix comedy to offer it in audio form on SiriusXM. So, it just more and more is becoming kind of like a Netflix in that regard. They have a little bit of something for everyone. And then, if they can figure out ways to monetize that as optimally as possible, and whether that's just catered offerings to people who want a certain thing or people who want the whole package. I mean, remember, we're coming into a very polarizing election year here in 2020, and I'm certain <laughs> I'm certain there are going to be a lot of people that would love to have access to a news and talk style offering uh, that's going to be reliable. I mean, that's the beauty of Sirius, uh, yeah. of Sirius Radio, is the satellite, it's just so reliable. I think also the defensive mechanism that this against the likes of Spotify or the other competition, Jason, that you mentioned. I mean, Sirius, the the the, growth, the top line growth rates have slowed a little bit. So taking on something like Pandora to help bring some excitement back to the product, to both the product as well as for shareholders. I mean, the stock has reacted nicely on the news over the past couple of years. So just thinking through how this changes the landscape. Of providers when it comes to music and talk radio is really interesting. I think looking if you were if you were in the serious boardroom, you're saying, hey, we got to make some kind of move here, and here's a Pandora price that's pretty reasonable to get the assets that they that they own. Yeah, they'll have a Pandora channel on SiriusXM here in the in the coming months. They're starting to place some big bets on podcasts. They felt like they missed that boat more or less. So uh, I, I think that it's all yeah. based on just growing out that offering, using the data to slice and dice different pro different product offerings to to. Give at least an option for everybody out there, uh, considering how many people are actually going to have access to that satellite radio via the car. It's really amazing. We were talking before the show when you look at the 10 year stock chart of Sirius XM, and it wasn't that long ago that this stock was mm. trading for under a dollar. And there was a very, very fair, reasonable question are they going bankrupt? Yeah. And I think at the time, 
Um, and I, I didn't invest in them, and I love SiriusXM as a consumer, but I think a lot of people probably underestimated the power of Howard Stern. I think I think you're right. I think that they made a very I mean obviously they've made a very smart bet in in using him to really launch that offering because such a loyal listener base on the Stern side of things when he moved over to Sirius and that enabled him to do a lot more as well. I mean, he didn't have to worry so much about the FCC anymore and I think it's made the show a lot funnier. I mean, granted it's probably not for everyone, but you know, <laughs> hey, I'm I'm one of those loyal listeners. Uh so yeah, I mean, I think that what Howard Stern ultimately bought them other than really awesome content was he bought Sirius a lot of time. A lot of time to actually build up a subscriber base, and now that they have that base, and and they also have some data on that user base because they have a pretty slick app there uh, as well. They're just becoming, it, it, they're more and more able to slice and dice and come up with product offerings that that just gives what you want to listen to uh, when you want to listen to it, and, and uh, if you can offer it at multiple price points or even possibly a free ad supported model, which it sounds like they're coming out with. I mean, hey, that that's they're they're making it. Available to the biggest base possible, and, and that's important. You know, we talked about the advantage of this of the subscription businesses when you think about the apples and the different profit margin between their services business and their their hardware business. Sirius is actually has higher profit margins than Apple does <laughs> wow. as a subscription business. Not just a little, you know, twenty eight percent versus twenty six percent, but it is telling. And this is why Tim Cook, looking at the services business and reporting the gross margin that they reported this quarter and saying, "Hey, wow, this is the future of what Apple may look like." It's just a matter of getting the revenue growth high enough for that to really make a meaningful difference for uh, Apple's um, shareholders. Any chance that Apple would buy SiriusXM? Doesn't make sense. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't really think that's right up their alley. I mean, that's you know, content's such a tricky business, and when you have a company like Sirius that's already bringing Pandora into the mix, I don't know that they would really be interested in an acquisition like that anyway. I'm sticking with Square. Apple okay. needs to buy Square. That okay. Sense. Well, Andy, you just set up beautifully my desert island question, and mm. this is going to be an easy one because we only have two stocks: Sirius XM <laughs> or Apple. For, the, for him, not it's picking. Actually, so, a fair so, question right now. That's right. Yes. So, as as a reminder, do not invest this way at home. But if you're <laughs> on a desert island and you have to buy one of these two stocks for the next five years. What are you going with? You going with SiriusXM or Apple? All right. So if I'm on a desert island, I feel like I'm pretty bored. I want to add some excitement to my life. Roll the <laughs> dice, so to speak. I think Sirius Sirius is is, is the bet there. Sirius is, is the investment. Uh, certainly a higher risk, but perhaps a higher reward too. I mean, Apple's going to be pretty steady Eddie, but. Yeah, let's let's add a little excitement to our lives. You're on a deserted island, and you yeah. want more excitement sure. in your life. That's I like great. <laughs> I think just from the size perspective, I mean, Sirius is a is a 25 billion dollar business versus the, the the 700 plus business of Apple, um, and the optionality. I think even though Apple has tons, I think the excitement with the Pandora acquisition at this point, I would lean towards Sirius, but the conviction in that call is. A little bit low. <laughs> Andy Cross, Jason Moser, thanks for joining me. Thanks. thanks, Mac. As always, you can weigh in with your feedback, with your thoughts on our Desert Island question, SiriusXM or Apple, over the next five years. Our email is marketfoolery at fool.com. That's marketfoolery at fool.com. As always, people on the show may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Austin Morgan. I'm Matt Greer. Thanks for listening, and we will see you tomorrow.